Hi, this is Dr. Otto Janke with the Empire Longevity Podcast. Uh, this is a this is a, a person I follow. I read all her stuff. I'm on her website and I follow her YouTube page. You should also. I'm gonna leave the stuff links down there for you. But this is Chef AJ. You so why Chef AJ? Not only does she have a great story of going from that person to being this person, but she cooks the stuff too. And I get this all the time. And I know she does also. Listen, I don't want to give up this. I don't want to give up that. It can't be tasting that good if I'm going to be eating this way. We're going to dispel all that and dive into it. Our, our guest today is Chef AJ. Thank you for being with me today. Oh my God, thank you so much for inviting me. Such an honor. Absolutely. Uh, the video you have, let's dive right into this. The video you have, which is from fat vegan to skinny bitch. <laughs> Loved it 18 different ways. What was your transformation? What was, what was your transformation from there to there? And quite frankly, what were you not doing correctly in the previous you to the, the better you? Oh, great question. So I, the short answer is what I was not doing correctly was I wasn't listening to Jack LaLanne. And Jack LaLanne, <laughs> <laughs> really, because that he, he knew, he knew. He had said 13 words his whole life that led him to be in his late 90s in terrific health, which was... Yes. If God made it, eat it. If man made it, don't eat it. Easy. And even though I had been vegan, which is wonderful for the animals, for the environment and for human health, I was a junk food vegan and that wasn't doing anything for my health or my waistline. I was eating processed food and whether someone chooses to be vegan or not, I still don't think people should eat processed food or at least not very much of it. And when that's all you're eating, you're probably going to be fat, sick or both. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how did you... What was, what was the switch that went from there? Because you thought you were doing the great stuff before you thought you were living a healthy lifestyle previously. What was the, I know it's never one thing, but what right. was the steps that got yeah. you from there to there? What was that light that finally turned on? Right. You know, and I think that everybody thinks they're doing the right thing and healthy until <laughs> disease occurs. You know what I mean? And you know, the thing is, is we, as I'm in my sixties now, and I realized that health is not merely the absence of disease, that, that, that that's one thing, and so I just figured, well, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I'm overweight, but I have high cholesterol or high, you know, all these things that everybody else had, high triglycerides, high cholesterol, heart disease, diabetes, everything that friends and family had that they were medicating. I didn't have that. I had some excess body weight, but I felt pretty good right. until the day I didn't. And that day was July 1st, you know, excuse me, January 1st, 2003. I woke up, I used the restroom as you often do in the morning. And it was bright red blood. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. I must have colon cancer. And I was concerned because my grandmother had colon cancer and my oh. great grandmother and everybody in my family had some kind of cancer specifically around the bowel. And I got really scared. And so I went and had it checked out and thank God I didn't have full-blown colon cancer, but they called it pre-colon cancer. So my, my colon was riddled with what they call edematous polyps. Yep. And if not removed, they said they would turn into cancer. Well, they couldn't remove them during... The, the outpatient procedure because my colon was in a state of disarray. They said, I have to come back and have like real surgery, like real anesthesia. And I'm like, no way. And that's when everything in my life changed literally. And I went to a place called the Optimum Health Institute in Lemon Grove, California. And really I wasn't going there for a cure. I was going there just for a respite because it's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just need some time away to clear my head. So I took a week off my job and it was amazing because it was the first time that anyone ever told me in my life, this was 2003, this was almost 20 years ago, that actually what we eat really does have a profound effect on our health. 
And, and nobody really says that. I mean, doctors aren't taught nutrition in medical right. school. They, no, unless you have a lifestyle medicine doctor, which I'm lucky to have now, nobody ever said, well, what do you eat? And how much do you exercise? And how much do you sleep? But everyone there was in this conversation of, food is medicine and it can either kill you or it can cure you. And people were very serious diseases, brain cancer, Lyme's disease, lupus, and, and they were all getting well eating, not just a vegan diet, which I has, was already eating, but an unprocessed whole, it, it happened to be raw, free of any chemicals like caffeine or alcohol or chocolate or sugar or oil or salt or flour. And they were getting well. And I thought, well, if these people with these very serious illnesses can eat this, yeah, I thought it was a crazy diet. And, and I don't eat that diet today, by the way, I cook my food and I, 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 I more than just what they gave, but right. for healing, it was really unparalleled because I did the diet for, well, I tried to stick to it to two years. I, I'm not cut out to be raw. I'm always cold. That's why I moved to Palm Springs, but I did it to the best of my ability in for a good six months. And when I went back and had the repeat colonoscopy, the polyps were gone. And the doctor actually said, well, where did you have surgery? And I'm like, I didn't have surgery. Right. I'm scared of surgery. He goes, well, well, then where are your polyps? Because they take pictures of them. Right. He, and I said, well, you know, I changed my diet. And he goes, well, that's impossible. So a lot of people still think it's impossible. And yeah, so that that's really was what, what, what was happened. If, if, if I, you know, they always say that sometimes the thing that seems to be the worst thing in the moment turns out to be the best thing when right. you look back on it. I mean, if that hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have changed my diet. Who knows? Maybe I'd be dead by now with full-blown cancer. So right. at the time it was not favorable and I didn't enjoy it, but it really, it did change my life completely. Cause that's when I went to culinary school, not because I was trying to really be a chef. It was because the food did not, no, no offense, but you know, just juices and seed cheese, no seasoning. It was not delicious. And I said, well, I'm going to have to eat this way. It's going to have to taste better. So I went to culinary school and I recommend culinary school because it's a lot of fun, by the yeah. way. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic story. I'm sure you come in contact with people on a regular basis who, who their life energies, their disease processes have dramatically improved by eating dramatically better. I'm sure you all the time. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not shocked anymore when people tell me right. that they, I mean, things like high cholesterol, high triglycerides, high blood pressure always, but even things, I mean, people I've met now with cancer, higher stages of kidney diseases, autoimmune diseases that either were completely reversed or at least kept in bay through the miracles of whole food plant-based nutrition. I, I mean, I, I, I see it all the time. I hear about it all the time. So I don't think it's, it's, it's a coincidence. And I don't even necessarily think it's a miracle. I think it's really what's supposed to happen when we give right. our body the right fuel. It's like saying, well, gosh, you put, you know, you put your plant in dirt and it grew. Sure. You put it in <laughs> sand and it doesn't grow when you give the body, you know, the body knows what to do when given the right conditions. Right. Right. Uh, I, was just, I was reading uh, Dean Ornish's paper with, pro with men who are diagnosed with prostate cancer. And they talk about the, the, the intense changes these men made and it, what they really did was they just changed their diet. I mean, not dramatically, but they changed it just a little bit. And it was, they went plant-based. Fantastic. What did you learn in culinary school that allowed you to take that information there and then bring it to not only yourself, but to other people? Well, one of the things I think I learned is, and, and, and you can learn this without going to culinary school, by the way, because there's <laughs> written on it, is that people love sugar, fat, and salt. And oh. that's what they want. They want that, whether they're a junk food vegan or a, some Epicurean carnivore, people love the taste of sugar, fat, and salt. Yeah. And you can find ways to give it to them that isn't as deleterious to their health 
is by giving them lots of oil, salt, and sugar. And so people want flavor. They don't really care how it's delivered. They just want their food to taste good. And they want it to be of a high enough caloric density so they feel satisfied. They don't want to just eat rabbit food, you know, eat lettuce all day. So so if you can find ways to do that, you know, once Dr. Goldhammer told me that all a great chef is, is somebody that's learned to concentrate sugar, fat, and salt. And you can do that with real food. Fat doesn't have to come from oil. It can come from nuts, seeds, and avocado. Sugar doesn't have to come from agave or maple syrup or honey. It can come from fruit or dried fruit. And salt doesn't have to come from soy sauce or tamari. It can come from green vegetables and things like that. So if you can learn that and give people what they're used to, but in a healthier form, I think they'll like it. Absolutely. Uh, We often talk about an empire longevity, about you can either be overwhelmed with tastes or overwhelmed with volume. In America, we do volume. One of my biggest changes I had to make three years ago going into a plant-based was learning spices. Yeah. I mean, the biggest spice I had when I was growing up was uh, medium chicken wings. I mean, that was my, that was the big one. And so when you make this transformation, how do you, how do you then, because, because you talk about in, in unprocessed, your book unprocessed vegan, the, 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 you're going to be vegan, gluten-free, oil-free, salt-free, and refined sugar-free. There's got to be people who just look at you and say, everything's got to taste like cardboard then. Yeah, and they do. And that's why the, the classes were so important when I was teaching them. I haven't been able to do them during the pandemic, but I used to teach at least monthly, if not more, these cooking classes based on the book. And they do think that, and I can understand yeah. that, but the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And when they could taste the food without those things, they were blown away because if you know how to do it. I promise you, it tastes really, really good. You know, the salt is the hardest. I'm going to be honest for everybody. That is the trickiest and the most difficult, but think about it like fat. It's fat really has no taste by itself. I mean, I mean, how many people just eat oil or just eat butter? You know, it's, it's usually in combination with the sugar and salt. And the interesting thing, and I learned this from Dr. Goldhammer and Dr. Lyle, who wrote the pleasure trap is that in nature, we don't see sugar, fat, and salt together in any food. It doesn't exist. That's what restaurant food is. That's what processed food is. But think about it. No whole natural food has sugar, fat, and salt. So we weren't meant to activate those pathways together to get that huge dopamine blast. But think about it, you know, kettle corn, what's that? It's not just popcorn, it's popcorn with oil, sugar, and salt. And that's what, what, that's what processed food is. And so we're so used to this high stimulation of food, people that have grown up eating the standard American diet or eating a lot of processed food, that at first they can't really appreciate food the way that I'm delivering it, but I can make it taste really, really good. They may not get quite as much dopamine, you know, right away, but as far as taste, I know I can do it because I was a restaurant chef for five years in Los Angeles. I was the executive pastry chef at a restaurant called Sante and I made desserts. They happened to be vegan, but nobody really knew because I... As, as, a, as a chef, you, you do like an interview, like where you just work for a day for free and make stuff. I, I didn't even bother to tell them. They didn't care that they, were <laughs> they, just, they just cared that it was German chocolate cake and peanut butter chocolate cheesecake. But I used dates and I used whole natural food. I didn't use oil, sugar and salt. And nobody knew. It's very, very easy with dessert. So you have to know how to do it. And I try to create recipes that are simple enough that, that really anybody can do. I actually used to teach cooking, volunteer teaching cooking at the Braille Institute. And that was my litmus test. First of all, if the recipe was easy enough for a blind person to do, but if a blind person wow. would like it, because blind people, they can't do a poker face like us. If something doesn't taste good, <laughs> you know it right away. You know that it doesn't taste good. And so that's what all the books, almost, almost my recipes were t- tested on my students at the Braille Institute. 
That's fascinating. Fascinating. Again, <laughs> you can uh, check this all out at uh, chefaj.com. I'd highly recommend you go there and dive into it. Actually dive into it. Let's talk about a date with dessert, a fantastic book that you have. What's the biggest, what's the biggest obstacle do you think people have to actually eating that way when it comes to desserts? Availability probably is my guess is that I don't think people really understand how deleterious sugar is. I right. mean, there, there, people are trying. I mean, there's people like, you've probably heard of Michael Moss who wrote Salt, yep. Sugar, and Fat and Book, yep. and people like Dr. David Kessler who wrote The End of Overeating. There are people out there that are trying to tell people that sugar is really not good for you guys. It's linked to every single disease from heart disease to Alzheimer's to cancer to tooth decay. And I think people are so addicted to the white death that it, 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 they just can't imagine life without it. And, and I'm guessing, and I, I don't know, because it's been years since I've worked in the restaurant, that to do whole natural desserts using things like dates, dates aren't all that prohibitively expensive, but compared to white sugar, they are. And so can companies do it? Do First of all, do they know how? Do they have an interest? Sugar is very, very cheap. It's subsidized. It, the chefs that cook with it already know how to cook with it. You know, there's a learning curve. You can't just take your, you know, your favorite carrot cake recipe and say, oh, two cups of sugar, I'm going to throw in two cups of dates. No, you're going to have to learn how to do that. But I think that availability can be the biggest obstacle. And the addiction factor is people, people just Sure. The addiction factor is never talked about, and it is everywhere, absolutely everywhere. We talked about this with one of my guests about how alcohol has gone from being even bourbons. Bourbons are maple and and honey based now, and it's not just bourbon. I mean, and just to get more and more people drinking it and loving it more and more often. They even put sugar in cigarettes. Really. So- I, that's I don't know you you might want to verify that but that's what I heard it's like and and you know they and they put salt in everything too they put everything. it in, in diet so I mean look you know when a mother is unable to breastfeed the formula would be like high fructose corn syrup you know right. it, it, so they get you from the cradle to the grave geriatric formula sugar and it's just I, I get so angry I don't know if you've ever read a book called Sugar Blues it was written like in the fifties. Yes. I mean it's like it's not like this information didn't exist it's just either the people. <laughs> I don't think they want to know. You know, Dr. John McDougall has a saying, people want good news about their ha- or about their bad habits. They don't want bad news about their bad habits. Right, right. Absolutely. Want the good news about their bad habits. How can I justify my addiction and make it that I can keep on doing them? What's, um, everybody else is doing it. And that's why it doesn't seem like an addiction. It seems like it's normal. It, and it's everywhere, pervasive, nonstop. From the moment you wake up to the time you go to bed, uh, we have commercials about one more thing with... Uh, mass amounts of salt, oil, or sugar. I, when I spoke with Dr. Alan Goldhammer, fascinating, fascinating, the, the, the pleasure principles that go inside of our brain to, with foods. And we have to have food. I mean, we don't have to have alcohol, but we have to have food. And the process of getting around that how did you make that switch? Because you must have gone through a detox of some kind. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I remember, well, I, I had gone to the Optimal Health Institute. It was July, Sunday, July 6, 2003, a day that will live in infamy. It was the last time I had a Coke Slurpee or a Dr. Pepper. And, you know, it was, a detox is a bitch. And I think that is why so many people don't get sober from whatever their drug is, because no one wants to go through that discomfort. Right. The thing is, is until you get to the other side, you don't realize how uncomfortable your addiction really is. But yes, there is going to be withdrawal and detox and a lot of people can't do it. It's like, what's, you know, when you think about smoking, I, I don't know people that really get true pleasure from smoking, but what they get is not having to go through the withdrawal from the nicotine. Sure. 
by not sure. smoking. I don't know people saying like, wow, oh my God, this is so great. No, it's, it's, they're doing it not to feel good, but just not to feel bad. So yeah, you will feel bad. And hopefully you'll be in a supportive environment, like a place like the Optimum Health Institute or the True North Health Center, or at least not working your regular job. You can be at rest and, you know, doing some juices and lots of water, things like that. But it, it doesn't last forever, depending on how long your addiction has been going on. It could be a couple of days, but it, it could be a little bit longer. You just have to know that and hopefully you have some kind of support and you're working with somebody so you so you know you're not going crazy this is that's how you know it's a drug because it feels so bad when you stop you know if i when i can't get brussels sprouts i love brussels sprouts but sometimes i can't get them i don't go crazy i'll just have another vegetable but when when people can't get their fix whether it's their coffee or their alcohol or their sugar or their bread or whatever it is their cheese they do feel bad and and because everybody else is doing it that's why it that's why it doesn't feel like it, it because we have this mass addiction and everybody is under the spell and so we just think it's normal. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's everywhere. They start young and they keep you on the, on the train forever. I, I did a uh, talk for the local school community and I looked at the breakfast they were giving kids and it was everything you should never give kids. And they said, well, you know, that's what uh, we're, we are reaching state mandates. We're reaching what the state has mandated. And I said, well, quite frankly, I said, it's a bunch of shit you're, you're giving the kids. And they said, well, you know, they said, well, and so very, very interesting. Very interesting. What's, how did your books come about and how did you choose what to do the books on? Hmm, that's a good question because it's been about 10 years now since Unprocessed. We're actually in the process of publishing the 10th anniversary edition, updated recipes and photos. Cool. And let's, I think it really, you know, you know, when I, when I think about it, it they kind of came to be out of just my work doing lectures and doing classes. It wasn't like I sat down and said, I think I'd like to write a book. Right. I had certain talks that I would give and recipes I would do. And they kind of just opened itself up to, to, to being a book, I think is, is really what happened in, in, in both cases of unprocessed and the secrets to ultimate weight loss is that I, I'm a better talker than I am a typer. And that's kind of <laughs> really what happened is the, the, I was, I was giving these talks on these subjects and then. I just kind of transcribed them and I had a little help from Glenn Merzer, a lot of help because I'm not really a natural writer. I'm a natural talker. And then we, you know, we've done three books together. Now, yep. so. so who are the people who you follow, you, you have read, you, uh, you, YouTube, you watch them. Who are the people that you inspire you? So lots of people, but, but, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll call them the big three, the father, son, and the Holy Ghost, Dr. John McDougall, Dr. Ellen Goldhammer, and Dr. Doug Lyle, at least in terms of where, where health and weight loss is concerned, because really everything that I teach, I learned from them. Dr. Right. Lyle and Dr. Goldhammer were the co-authors are the co-authors of the pleasure trap. Yep. And it just, it just, I love their work and everything they say I resonate with. Uh, Dr. Lyle has a podcast called Beat Your Genes that I love to listen to. And Dr. Goldhammer is always hilarious wherever you find him, any YouTube or anytime in person. I, I can. I love to go to True North. And then I love Dr. John McDougall because he's been at it pretty much longer than just about anybody. And oh, he's yeah. always told the truth about it. And he says the truth never changes. And it hasn't so far, at least where nutrition is concerned. The simplicity of eating plant-based I think astounds people and they think it's going to be much more difficult than it is. And it's, it's so simple yet massively effective. And it was, you know, I talked to T Colin Campbell a short time ago. He asked, because he gets this all the time, where do you get your protein from? And he says, well, where do the animals that you eat get their protein from? Which is fascinating stuff. Okay. So my, I'm going to give you my last question here. And we always wrap up with our guest. this, our definition of longevity in empire longevity is you are you the act and intent of being so healthy that you leave something great behind by what you've done today. 
what's going to be that big thing, that one thing you've left behind that, that the people are going to say, yeah, Chef AJ inspired us to do that. She told me to eat my damn vegetables. That's <laughs> <laughs> because I say that a lot. I really do. I say, grow up and eat your damn vegetables because that is really something that everybody needs to do regardless of their dietary religion or philosophy. Every dietary style, what whatever they include or exclude. I haven't heard anything bad about leafy greens ever. And people need to eat vegetables. They're not eating vegetables and they've got to. Beautiful for your skin, for your brain, for your endothelial lining of your vasculature. Just eat vegetables, people, greens especially. It's so simple, isn't it? It's so simple, but again, pleasure trap 101. You're not going to get dopamine from steamed kale. You know, you want the, you want the rich stuff, but, but I, I can even make, I can make kale taste good. I have no doubt about that. Again, this is Chef AJ. I highly recommend you go to her site, chefaj.com. A couple of books on there. You just get them, devour them, then devour what you what you make while you're there. And I think what's really fascinating about this is a, a date with dessert because that's, as we've t- talked about, it's one of those things that people just are stumped when it comes to, they want that, they want that sweet, 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 not understanding you can, you can just have fantastic stuff and not make it sugar laden whatsoever. Absolutely can with the fruit, the whole fruit and nothing but the whole fruit. <laughs> you heard it here, right here. Chef AJ, I appreciate your time, your expertise and your love. And uh, we'll be following you for much more time to come. We appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. You are welcome. <laughs> Super simple, right? Yeah, that was fast. Yeah, we do 30 minutes, 45 minutes tops. We don't want to overwhelm them and leave them, you know, have them going on for unending uh, uh, forever. Sure. Any other questions for me? No, maybe you'll come on my show next year. I'm booking for January. And you can Anytime. Anytime you, you want. Are there certain topics you like to talk about? So we start with what we call the, the pyramid of health, which is the, the, the mental, the, the mm-hmm. eating, the rocket fuel, the motion, and the, then the uh, uh, nervous system is optimized. We start with those. And if we can get people into that idea of what it is, then we can start finding out which ones are there. And it's usually all of them, quite frankly, that they're weak at. But we can start really uh, coming up with a game plan for each one of those. That sounds great. Uh, do you like to do you like to just talk or do you like to do slides? How do you like to normally deliver content? I was asked a short time ago if I could do eight hours in uh, Indianapolis. I said, what, you know, let's go. As I was taught by one of my coaches, be prepared for all technology and no technology. Yes. Yeah. That, that's the, the sign of a good speaker if they can do it when, when the PowerPoint doesn't work, right? We've been there. Oh yeah. Any, anytime. That is, all right, great. Well, thank you so much. Let me know when it airs and I'll, I'll promote it on socials and things like that. Okay. Appreciate you so much. Oh my God. Take care. Nice to meet you. Ciao. Bye.